Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It is your sister and your homegirl and your friend and your bestie, whatever <laughs> you want to add in there that I am to you. And you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood Podcast. So fun fact, y'all, before I was a smashing international top charting podcast host, I was a warrior for justice. You hear you heard it here, y'all. I was the most intense kind too. I'm not gonna lie. Part of me only got more intense too when I started to practice my faith. Because Islam, at the root of it, was about the protection and the preservation of human dignity and justice. But really to put it in plain terms, y'all, to keep it real simple, I just really hated bullies. <laughs> I mean like with a passion. I couldn't stand them. So much so in university, believe it or not, I took in my final year, yeah. Okay, this is, was it in my second, it was in my third, but in my final year when grades counted, I took a failing grade because I refused to apologize to a professor who bullied me and other students for refusing to accept her problematic Islamic views. Because I was it, was, it was in my like Islamic human rights and Islamic theory class. And I remember the advice somebody gave me was, oh, Adar, like this is your final year. Just go apologize and get that grade that you deserve because... That fight, that argument is not going to matter in a few years' time. But to be honest, it did matter to me. I wasn't going to fall back on something that I knew was right just because I needed a grade. I just couldn't. It didn't sit with me. And so I took the failing grade to the chest. Although taking a hit on my final grades probably wasn't the most smartest thing as an eldest first-generation girl. Um, but I did what I had to do. But if you want to talk about advocacy, right, you want to talk about fighting, you want to talk about, like, standing to what you believe in, let me tell you a story about a girl named Yasmin. Yasmin's family did the great migration to Minnesota when she was three years old with eight of her siblings. Her mom was this, like, gentle soul, soft and loving, but her dad was quite the opposite. He was all about surviving this cold war called life. He believed that full-time school was daycare, and that real school started when they came home. He was the youngest of his family. My grew him up to be in a sense of having your own and becoming someone. And she didn't go to school. She um, basically uh, was working at a sugar factory and the sugar factory um, stopped. So they were very um, living in a very poor state. So they would only have like a meal a day. They were lucky to find a meal. Mm. So Albert, he would tell us stories about um, during Eid, how kids would have shoes and everything. He would stand in the corner and he would just wonder like, oh, why can't I eat like that? You know, I want. And then he started to gain a sense of when my kids grow up, I want to be able to provide for them and instill good things in them. I don't want them to live in the same way that I did, in the same like pains that I lived through, you know. And um, he used to read the dictionary. And then he he would have us read the dictionary too, but I was like, <laughs> we can't do that. So he would read the dictionary. He's a top student in every like uh, grade, but he just didn't have the funds to fully uh, accomplish everything you wanted but alhamdulillah one of his uncles supported him and he got out of college and he was an English and math teacher and opened up his own private school wow, in Yemen he had his own private school there so he was a teacher so I meet all his students um they're like oh your dad was our teacher you can't even move your neck you have to pay attention <laughs> <laughs> and everything so you can imagine Yasmin's dad had doors after doors after doors closed on him. 
but he would be damned if doors were going to be closed on his kids. And so he made sure that his kids believed in themselves. He was persistent and he was intentional about teaching Yasmin to be confident in who she is, confident in the way that she learns, confident about the things that she wants to pursue. The funny part of this part is, is that, I mean, he raised just that. Yasmin was this confident and like, I know what I want. I know what I'm going to do, kid. So much so that in the fourth grade, yeah, he came to talk to her about something <laughs> that happened. And Yasmin, well, she stood up for herself. So going into fourth grade, um, I remember we're going on a field trip and um, it was roller garden. And I've never been to roller garden ever. And my friend was like, oh, you know, Yasmin, you're a it's gonna, It's going to go under the skates. And I had no idea. I'm like, I can't get injured, you know? So I was like, so what do I do? And she's like, oh, just put a hamad on. And I was thinking, oh, no, <laughs> we don't do that at our house. <laughs> we can't put a hamad on. And then I was like, okay, maybe one time for the one time, just for the cause, let me just put it in my bag, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I went home, and then my parents are just sitting there. And my parents are ones where they want to talk everything out for five mm. hours. They'll tell you about their childhood. <laughs> so I'm trying to go through my mind. And then um, my dad goes, open up your bag. Immediately I knew. <laughs> Immediately I knew he what I did. And then I, just, I sat there and I said, Ababo, um, so I'm, I want to tell you one thing. And I, I hope you don't take this to offense. But I wear the hijab for Ilahi, and I really want to wear it for Ilahi. I don't want to lie to you and wear it for you, even though I am very grateful that you taught me the hijab. But I don't want to have this notion of Ababa's going to get mad mm -hmm. if I don't wear the hijab the right way. So I just always want to keep the, I wear it for Ilahi. And I was a little kid, now that I imagine wow. it. I was in fourth grade. So Fourth grade, you're talking like that. Fourth grade is talking like that. And my dad just respected it. So whenever I wanted to wear the khamat or whenever I wanted to wear the jilbab, he let me do what I wanted to do because mm -hmm. he knew she she knows at least why she's doing what she's doing. Riddle me this homework. Is it practice makes perfect or are we teaching our kids to second guess themselves? Hmm. Well, for Yasmin and many students like her, it was the latter. Yasmin didn't see the point in doing something over and over and over again. It made school mind-numbingly dull, and it caused her grades to slip. What I experienced was it's a lot of busy work. It's like you have to just do this homework, do this, do that. It's not like, and I was a very creative person. Like, I loved art. I loved creativity. So it wasn't very intriguing to me. And I was a bit of a rebel, too. So if I didn't like something, I'm not doing You're it. You're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so when it came to homework, I got it the first two problems. I don't have to, I don't have to do 36 <laughs> from, <laughs> to, to, that's at that point, you're, I'm not doing this. I would literally, throughout high school even, I would not do my homework. And then my teachers would sit there and they'd be like, yes, I mean, like your, your exams are like, you're getting B's and A's. What's going on in this department? And I'm like, I just don't believe in homework. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think it's maybe because. Even Abu used to teach us at home, mm -hmm. and his learning style is a lot different than the school's. Wow. So Shalom. if you got these problems, we're moving on to the next subject. We're moving on to the next wow. level. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, we're just going to sit here and continue doing the same thing if you got it. So I had one teacher that believed in me. Yeah. He uh, believed in me so much that 
he knew that I wasn't doing it just out of like um, like laziness or anything. He's just like, okay, this is how you work and this is how you like your learning style. He went to all my teachers and had them take away the homework section. Wow, he did that. Yeah, and he's like, if she does well in her exams and we can hone it down to a couple of homeworks and that's it. Like she's not doing any any more Amazing. than that. So that's how I got to pass. So I was struggling throughout high school of just finding myself and not wanting to fit in into a system that was built for me, you know. And I remember um, the moment that I chose what career I want was the day that right before that teacher came, um, I was failing everything and I was trying to have everyone do my homework and I was bawling because there's no way like everyone's going to help me finish all of this, you know. So I went into a closet and I was like crying so much. And I was like, okay, yes, mean, like, why are you crying? Like I self-talk. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm crying because I couldn't get this done. Why? What does this mean to you then? Why do you have to get this done so I can get a better education? So I was like, okay. And I started following the path. Okay, if you get a better education, what are you trying to do? Oh, I just, and I was listening to myself and seeing that I was still following the system mm. and it was not like um filling the void in me mm. and I was like yes I mean how about this like how about we decide our career right now like that's when I was in 10th grade wow and I was like um so what do you want to do in this earth let's just say everything went to shambles and it was chaotic and like money's not involved nothing's involved like, what do you want to do? And we'll just follow this purpose. And I told myself, I just want to help other people. Mm. At no, ma no matter what I'm doing, if I'm helping other people, I'm good. So that's when I started thinking into um, going into healthcare. And so whatever career I chose, so long as it was providing me that purpose, mm. I knew I was, I was okay. Mm -hmm. So um, then I told myself, you know what? Then you're going to have a path of like, this is what you're going to do next. This is this is how you're going to accomplish things. Like you're, I'm going to be my number one supporter. At 18, trying to find a career you want to do for the rest of your life can be daunting a little bit. Yeah, 18, figure out your whole life sounds a little impossible to me. <laughs> and Yasmin had just like finished high school with flying colors and was ready for the next chapter. But before she could take that leap, she had to make the tough decision of finding what exactly she wanted to do. She knew that she wanted to help others. That was her bread and butter. Alhamdulillah, thankfully, Yasmin's dad had just the right idea. So Abba came to me one day and he was like, oh, why don't you do respiratory? And I was like, respiratory, what's that? And then oh, he's like, oh, you work with life support and stuff. And I was like, life support. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> I was like, something else. Yeah. We're not doing that. He goes, no, I actually see you doing respiratory. I was like, you'll never see me doing that. I literally told him that. He's like, how about this? Um, how about you just apply to what you want and apply to this program and see how things unfold? And I was like, okay. I just did it just, I was like, I'm not getting into this. I'm not, mm -hmm. I barely put any effort and time into it. And for the respiratory program, you have to do like a tour around the hospital of an RT to see if you really like doing this career and how a day in the life of an RT is. Mm -hmm. RT is just for short for respiratory. So um, so I took a tour and I actually loved it. And I was like, wow, what did you love? I love that um, even though the first room we went into was a patient with life support machine, it kind of scared me at first. And then 
um, just seeing the family and how they were super intrigued with the respiratory therapist and how much hope they had in the respiratory therapist and helping their family member. Mm -hmm. And it kind of almost fit into what my purpose was. Mm -hmm. I got into the program, alhamdulillah. And then soon enough, we started going into the respiratory program. And I was a bit of an I was an introvert. Mm. You know, I would go into class, have my backpack there, and as soon as it's time to go, I'm running out the door, mm. you know? I had a different learning style, so I would record my teacher and just sit there and try to gain everything. Mm -hmm. And then later on, um, write everything down, mm -hmm. um, re-listen to everything and write it word for word, and then just read it off, and then I'll just go to the exam. Oh, wow. Wait like, a I minute. never touched a textbook. So wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You would literally, yeah. so you would listen to the episode, you would listen to the professor, yes. you yes. would record it, yes. then you go home, take notes yes. of the word for word that she Perfect. said, yes. and then close the book and say I'm ready for the exam. Yep. And then the exam day, I have to go to a separate <laughs> room as everybody's waiting for the exam, and I would put Quran in my ears, and I did not want anyone getting me anxious, so I would just put Quran in my ears, and I would not look at a single textbook or anything, and I was just, until it's time to take the test, and then I'll go to the room and I'll take the test. You had a game time ritual. <laughs> you know, um, you yeah. know, football players, you yeah. know, because like you have to understand yeah. the winning of a game is all about the mindset. That's a lot of people true. think it's a lot to do with skills. No. You could be the most skillful athlete in the mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. If your brain ain't right, you're That's not true. hitting those baskets. That's true. <laughs> what so it's crazy that you said, yeah. okay, game time, put the Quran on. You're not looking at anybody. You're not yeah. looking at the person that's shaking their, their right leg. Yeah. You're not looking at the girl walk you up and down the hallway waiting for the exam to start. You're just literally looking and you're just listening and no. you're just going, that's, that's Your crazy. environment is very important, you mm. know, and a teacher when I was um, in middle school taught me about that. Mm. Um, she would just close the lights, dim the lights, and then open the curtains up and then make sure your environment is super comfortable for you. Mm. So she always ta taught me that you are what your environment is. Mm -hmm. So your mind is what your environment is. And I'm super heavy on that. So the first time we took the exam for the respiratory program, everybody was psyching each other out. Oh, 60% of students fail the first exam and all of that. And I psyched myself out actually for the first exam and I did not pass. Wow. And I was like, Okay, yes, I mean, the reason why you did not pass is you kept telling yourself you're not passing. And therefore, the results are you're not passing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what I did was, because you get to retake the exam. So I retook the exam, super calm, told myself you're going to pass this time, and just took everything very lightly, and I passed it. Alhamdulillah. Wow. So ever after that, I was like, no, we're not answering questions. <laughs> Right before the exam, <laughs> we're not doing nothing. Yeah. Anybody anxious or I don't want no negative mm -hmm. energy. I just want my Quran, myself, and just. Because you know mind. what it is? You had this confidence. You knew what you needed yeah. to do. Yeah. Sometimes, I'll be real, yeah. being a student is yeah. actually quite difficult. It is. Because you don't know who you are. You don't know your learning style either. Mm -hmm. But you, you, there's a standard, right? They yes. say, okay, this is how you should do it. Mm -hmm. And you're guaranteed to do well but the reality is, is that's yeah. not the truth yeah. you could do exactly how you're told and mm -hmm. still fail that's true and what does that do yeah. to our morale bro can you oh, imagine no. like what I did to my psyche I, I said maybe I'm just dumb I know you're right that, those yeah. are the only responses yeah. you're, you know you talk about self-talk yes it's very I do that too yes right when funny. something is going bad I can't talk to anybody I have to talk to myself like I have a, a private right? meeting with myself yeah I'm like why do you think you failed you know yes. like what do you think because you just want to hear yourself there's so many thoughts happening yeah and some of the voices you hear in your head are not all yours that is true. you know what I'm saying yes. and so I try to look at myself like hey what's you what's not mm -hmm. but 
I had a hard time with school because yes. I was trying to do, I was trying to learn somebody else's way. Oh, and yes. when I failed, I thought it was my own. Oh, yes. And that is a problem. It's yeah. like, it's not authentic. It's not real. Mm-hmm. Everyone is different. Mm-hmm. How they learn is different. Yes. And instead, we should be encouraging everybody to find out, how do you learn? That's true. How, what yeah. is your game time ritual? Yes. What gets you from one end to another? Let me not give you the standard because mm-hmm. we're done with that, right? Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. we can talk about this in the medical world because the, the <laughs> standard, right, that they had That's for true. black people, right, yeah. was... What was it? It was racist, That's true. right? It and is. it was never accurate to the actual human. Never. But that's what life yeah. is about, right? I a know. bunch of people telling you this is the standard, but it wasn't made for you. It was made for that a different true. type of group of people, yes. right? Yes. But was I woke then? No. <laughs> uh, the yes. entire experience, my heart was broken. I know. Right? Really, it's just your it heart is. being broken well, I, over and yeah. over and over and again. Being guilt tripped. Yeah. yeah. And when you find a new style of learning, you shouldn't guilt trip yourself like, Oh, everyone's studying in groups. Yeah. Like, and then you feel guilty of saying, Oh, I don't want to study with you guys. Um, let me study on my own. Like actually advocating for yourself, you start to feel guilty. So I was the one that <laughs> would advocate for myself. I'm like, listen, oh. I'm a bit weird, but this is how I do that. <laughs> so I like to learn things on my own, but um I love to teach people. That's how mm-hmm. I learned too. Mm-hmm. So I I was like, um, on review day, we can do, I can come on a review day and I can go on the Saburat, was basically the whiteboard, and then start writing and teaching. And then you guys can ask me questions. And then if you're comfortable with that, and then we can roll that way. And everybody's super comfortable. They loved the way that I taught. Yeah. So um, so I would study on my own and just do a one-day review day with everyone. And that was it. That's like, amazing. Um, but it's and th- you have to learn that it's okay. It's okay that you have a different learning style. It's not a bad thing. Um, you have to just own up to who you are and what your likes are and stick with it and not kind of like guilt trip yourself mm-hmm. in a sense, you know? I have this uh, methodology of like, if you were to put a six, uh, write a six down, like it's a six for me, but it's a nine for you. Mm. Um, it's all about our experiences. You're not wrong. I'm First not wrong. First of all, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start saying that everywhere now. Oh, Abaya, if it's a six for you, it's a nine for me. <laughs> But like anybody that disagrees with me, babes, there's two numbers on the slot. There's a six and a nine. Which one do you see? <laughs> I see a nine, bro. And I know you don't see a six. Guess what? I love that. Guys, listeners, if you're listening, if you're ever in a place of contention and somebody says to you, why do you think like that? Babes, you see a six, I see a nine. What's the problem? That's the quote. Now we got a new slogan for the tote bag. Thank you. Coming soon this fall. It's, it's a six, but it's a nine for me, babes. I love it. You see, we stole that from you, Maya. If you stole that tote bag, don't be shocked again. Coming this fall, it's coming this fall. It's a six for you, it's a nine for me, babes. That's the quote. Quotation. Well, I respect me respectfully, right? Respectfully. Because it gives it. room for like <laughs> and sa- a safe space for everyone to have yeah. their own opinions. Absolutely, there's seven million different human beings in this earth. Like yeah. we all don't need to think exactly the same way. Like if we're getting to the same goal but in different ways, mm-hmm. alhamdulillah, just respect everyone's like you know what I mean ways. But I think the reason why that methodology even came about is in healthcare. If uh. you're super quiet, it's like you're not, um, you're, if you're not outgoing, if you're, because they critique you on clinicals, you know. The critique that I always got was you don't talk to the other RTs and um, you're very like 
um, shy. In order to be the best RT or the best student, you have to be outgoing. You have to just, you know, and I, that wasn't me. And I was wow. struggling with it because I would be in clinicals and I would try to do something that wasn't me. Like, oh, how are you? That wasn't me. Like, I can say like calmly, like once I get comfortable with the person, how are you? Good. But I'm not going to be overly like running and dashing. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, that wasn't me. And that's what they expected you to do. Like, um, and I was kind of an observer too. Mm -hmm. So I would, I love to learn with like seeing things. So I would be, I would be super quiet and just learning that way. But if you don't ask enough questions or you're like not on top of it, it's like, you're not, you're getting points deducted. So I like struggled a lot in trying to refine myself again, um, going through as a student in healthcare. You know, wow. Because um, there was a norm was of a what norm. an RT looked like. Yes, and you weren't that, and, and you're like, what? I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, like you know, I signed, I signed up to to do meaningful work. Yeah, and now you guys want me to be like. <laughs> A TV host every day, ask questions every day, you know, like, you know, and that's so yes. problematic. You know, that's I such, know, it's so difficult because no one is the same. Why no. are you figuring us all for this box? We can't fit in here. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Although Yasmin had finally figured herself out, racism, like it usually does, still stood in her way. But Yasmin, she didn't just experience racism, she experienced racism and all of its friends. I'm talking about xenophobia. I'm talking about Islamophobia. I'm talking about anti-blackness. I'm talking about sexism. Yasmin was in the middle of the biggest family tree. And it's not the family tree we all want to be chilling at or heading to their cookout. But here Yasmin was, being maybe the food at this cookout, I don't know. But it plagued her college experience. Actually, in her clinical simulation class, let me tell you, her professor gave her a C because of, of a minor grammatical error. And being the ambitious student that Yasmin is, she asked the professor how she could approve. And let me tell you, just, just guess what this professor said. We're at this, we're at this cookout. What do you, what do you think? We, which, which cousin spoke up first? And she's like, Yasmin, um, if I were you, I would stay at my level. You're lying. And I said, okay. You're lying. Oh, okay. No, you're lying. <laughs> she lie. told you yes. next time for you. She said, just stay next on time, your level. stay on your level. Stay on Stop your level. Stop trying to go up. And oh, I was like, my. I was not expecting goodness. that. And I was like, okay. Um, and it went from that to having issues of asking for prayer because um, the exam time and the prayer time were overlapping. And you would have to ask. And she had issues with that. And... Um, prayer during clinicals that was becoming an issue i swear you cannot make this up and if you think this boy yes means blood i imagine what happened when her ababa found out so i told abba and i was like okay this is not okay i'm coming to your school <laughs> i'm mm. like okay your dad and came down there and my dad came down there and your dear clinical professor <laughs> Why? Okay. And then we talked to um, the head of the program. Okay. And he sat him down, and he's my my dad is an English teacher, so he literally took the paper and he edited it himself. <laughs> <laughs> he took the paper. He took the paper. He took his red pen. Himself. He and started he, editing it live. Yep. This is wow. how I would have marked yes. this yes. to the director of your program. <laughs> to the director of my program. Uh, by now, I need your dad as a lawyer. <laughs> Do you have his number? I need his number. 
Not even after her. Abai, no, 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 no. Your father is basically Nelson Mandela. Abai, at this point, is And then he he went on to tell him that. Um, so he said, even if you were to say anything, this is where she could have went wrong. He would let me know, like he's not just gonna overhype me. Yeah, he's me like, up. I don't like, like my daughter that much. I'll tell you, yeah. she's, she's wrong, right? <laughs> But at the end of the day, he's like, what you're doing is not correct. And yeah. he, and then he kind of like, almost like threatens him with like, um, you can lose your job over this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't try this Dad again. Was, he, was, he was bringing out his inner Karen. I will have you fired. You can lose your entire life. 100%. <laughs> is what he would say to them. From dad- then on, I was not bothered. I was not bothered. And they kept calling um, the director my grandpa because he would always cater to me after that because yeah. he knew Apple. <laughs> oh, my He was God. like, don't mess with her. No, alhamdulillah, he did that throughout schooling, and he would stand up for us. Even if they t- tell us that we're soft-spoken or we're very, like, shy, you know, he would not allow that type of mentality to even get to us because it was almost used as a way to push you down, mm-hmm. you know, in school. So he's like, no. Nope. He knew. She, she, she talks a lot at home. No, yeah. <laughs> don't tell me that. So, alhamdulillah. Like you're not going to use these labels yes. that not, are not real. Basically, so alhamdulillah for Ava, as soon as I saw that, it kind of like almost gave me the sense of confidence. Like, oh, wow. I was there rooting for you, so yeah. you're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the saga of racism, or should I say, the cookout continues. And so did the audacity. This means women's reflective class. Okay, I said women's reflective class. The professor made a comment that once again, I could not make up. I remember the first day of class, she told us, oh, I'm going to teach you guys how to be strong, independent women so you don't join stuff like ISIS. And mind you, it's just me and another fellow um, Somali girl in the class. The whole class is just white. white. So it's like, who are you targeting here? You know what I mean? So I was shocked. And then um, later on, there's more and more stories of her just giving me bad grades and she's just like oh I didn't like the word you used I you could have used this word I'm like that's your synonym this is my synonym <laughs> you know what I mean so I'm oh like, my God. <laughs> I have to say but you saw you wrote a six that she saw a nine that was the perfect I way that was the perfect you saw a six she saw nothing and didn't like your six. Basically. Yeah, probably your six. Yes. She don't like sixes. No, she It's the foot of love, okay? Oh, my. But at this point, so, she saw zero. Let's be real. At this point. And then we go into, um, like, all the students are now saying more and more stories of how they inter- had racist interactions with the teacher. And I had a specific interaction where she just did not like how... Um, like, I kind of gathered all the students, the ones that are having the same issue. No, you rally like, people. You rally people, right? I said, we're going to report you, this. You, <laughs> you know the mean? introvert. The introvert and the soft-spoken girl rallied everyone to say, we yeah. cannot accept this behavior. Yeah. The quiet one, right? The one that people don't prototypically see as a leader rallied everyone and said, yeah. we're going to report her. That's why we're here tonight in this basement in secret, yeah. you know? Basically, I mean, we paid way too much money too. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not like it's like 
that's a public school. It's a private school. We pay way too much money to be dealing with, like, you know what I mean, on top of that. So I was leaving class, and then she, I cannot remember exactly what conversation or, like, back and forth we're having. And she was, like, kind of, like, aggressive in a sense of, like, kind of, like, like overpowering me to the point where my back was pushed against the wall and she's Physically. that close to me. And I was like, like at this oh, point. Oh, why'd she try to square up? Because she knew at this point we're, we're reporting her. Oh, so she knew. Yeah, she knew. She wanted to threaten you with her and she's, body. She was just against the fact of how dare you call how me a racist. You? Yeah. And I was like, I'm not having it. So what she did was as soon as we got to um, meeting the department heads, um, about these situations, um, she went and started grading the students. So come midterms, she gave everyone A's. She gave everyone A's, and then she gave me a C. Oh my God. She gave me like a C plus. She gave me a C plus, and I, w- I did not have a C plus. I had an F based on her grading style. So she gave me a C plus just to tell me, hey, I'm letting you pass. So just keep it down. Yeah, and then she gave because she's saying I would have gave I, sh- I would have gave you an F, and I could yes. still give you an F. Yes, so that's when we lost a lot of oh. students that were advocating because they're like, "Oh, I'm good now." Yeah. So and she then, got you, bro. She made I you lose know. your people. She's like, at the end of the day, these these people want an A. I know. And then I was like, nope. I went to another department. I was like, okay, this is the issues we're having. And then as they're going through the stories, they're like, okay, so she had you pass. Why are you still advocating? Like, I just, I'm just okay, curious. This, 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 <laughs> so, this. They told you to accept your C and shut up. Basically. And I told them, there's no way that you're going to control me over a grade. Because at the end of the day, like, not everyone can speak up for themselves. And I don't want someone else coming after me, dealing with the same issues. And I just left with my passing and I, I moved on with it. If it means only one person speaking up and then changing this... I'd rather do that. Not everyone can speak up. It's very hard. It's it sounds easy, but it's it's not easy at all. You know, mm-hmm. you have to take the punches after you speak up. You know, mm-hmm. so Alhamdulillah, she uh, got taken out. So as soon as we started the next semester, I met up with the um, the heads and of that department, and they said she no longer teaches that course. Yasmin is finally done with their horrible college experience, and her hard work paid off. I mean, she survived the cookout, right? She landed three internships at three different hospitals. Yasmin chose a hospital she believed had the most diverse staff and patients. Ugh, we love an optimist. I mean, this is healthcare after all. It wasn't wrong. This is a place about healing, right? This is about people. This is about the greater good. What possibly could go wrong? You're seeing people sick and everything. Like you have to have a soft so heart, sorry, yeah. like to be able to do that. So there's no way that you can be so cold mm-hmm. in that environment. And then I had a rude awakening, you know. Um, so we go in, and then the first things we, we start hearing like little tiny like whispers of racism, like them not getting our names correct and um, saying, "Oh, it doesn't matter. They're oh. just a new student. They're just new." Like they would get all of our names mixed up. And they'll just call us RT from then on. At first, they're just getting our names wrong. And then it went to giving us way heavier assignments than the, our, our white coworkers. Like, we would have this much area, this much patients to cover. And they have just, like, we would have the amount of two to three people. And they just have a tiny amount. And at first, wow. it's just like, everyone's just like, just thug it out. Just do it. And I'm like, okay, I'm thugging it out. But 
that gives me limited time to see my patients. Like them being racist to me just doesn't affect just yes me now. It affects my patient care. Yeah. You know, so if I can't see all my patients, it's everyone's getting very minimal treatment. You know, so and then there's more room for error. You're not getting trained trained a- adequately. We have to ask and repeat and keep like saying like I'm not doing this unless you properly train me and everyone's like oh just yes me don't be like difficult you know just do it and if you have questions just ask us but at the end of the day like my license is on the line yeah. you know um if i just like thug it out just because i don't want to annoy them and then i get in trouble they will not spare me a second i would not be spared you know so i would always hone in on i'm not doing this and then they got to a tactic of they would give it to your friend instead of you Mm. So, put so now it's like, oh, you're going to do that to your friend? Yeah. So wow. it's like, then you start to feel guilty. It's like, okay, like, I can't have this person take over because I didn't want to. Like, and then imagine you come into to work and you're the, you're the charge now. I didn't get charge trained. I'm the head of the whole department right now. And I have to go to the OR. I have to go to this. I have to go to that. I'm not properly trained to do any of this. They would give me 16 patients. You know what I mean? Well, and then I have to take care of charge and all this other extra stuff. So it's like, how am I running around doing all of this? The day that I was like fed up was um, the day that I was called down to the OR. So the OR is like, you have to set up very quick. Like you can't, you can't miss it, you know? And I had a patient upstairs that's coding at another patient took his tube out, his life support tube out. I have another one who wow. had another issue. And I'm I'm just one person, you know. And you're not getting much help from um and if you ask for too much help, it's like, oh you're you're dumb. You know what mm. I mean? If you ask too many questions, you're dumb again. You know? And I'd rather be dumb. I'd rather be known as the dumb one that keeps asking questions, <laughs> that keeps saying this yeah. is not okay. Because it's not okay. You know? Yeah. These are people's lives. The families entrusted their lives on us, you know? And I can't be playing around just because I want to be looked at a certain way from the coworkers. So as I was like fighting back that way, then I'm starting to see getting reported a lot more. Yeah, I'm getting reported. Most ridiculous report that I've gotten was um, a machine that was like, it's called a CPAP machine. Patients put it on. It has a little sound to it when you turn it on. Just like when you turn the fan on, it has Mm -hmm. a sound. So the patient complained about having a sound the whole night and I got reported for it. I didn't make the equipment. I asked my manager, I was like, was there an alarm sound? Where's the beeping sounds? Yeah. She's like, no, just like the regular humming. And I'm like, okay, then then that's (laughs) that's a machine. What does that have to do with me? Mm -hmm. You know, that's how ridiculous the the reports were coming. That's insane. And then one of the most severe first reports that I've gotten was um, uh, they were trying to like tell me I almost killed a patient. I have an announcement today from the sponsor that you all need to hear, inshallah. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, Whoever takes a path upon which obtains knowledge, Allah makes a path to paradise easy for him. The sad reality is that many students are having a hard time getting a higher education because of the soaring costs of colleges and universities. Taking out student loans that come with extreme high interest rates only makes matters worse. In fact, student debt loan debt in the U.S. has now reached a staggering sum of $1.6 trillion of which approximately 447,000 Muslim students suffer from. 
Here is where ACC comes in. ACC, or A Continuous Charity, is an organization with a mission to promote the spiritual and intellectual development of Muslims throughout North America by providing interest-free loans for higher education. By doing this, we hope to bring about a generation of graduates that will have strong Muslim identities and be well-versed in their fields. TDS has joined hands with A Continuous Charity in launching a 25K fundraising campaign to support Muslim women and aid them in attaining their educational pursuits. We have the power to transform their lives and in turn, the future of our ummah. Help us help them. Every dollar you donate today lives year after year because they give back to another student. Head to our show notes or to our social media pages to find the link to donate. If you can't donate, please spread the word. Jazakallah Going back into giving you a heavy load of an assignment, they would give me a heavy load of an assignment to take care of many floors throughout the night. So there's less RTs during the night and I had to cover so many floors and the nurses are just calling to give like as needed treatments and you have to just bounce around every floor, every like you have to go as your list goes on, you know. So um, there's a particular patient uh, that came through the emergency and then they had to have a machine and this machine, I put, I took it to him. I was like, hey, you need to have this machine for a little moisture. And um, he said, no, I'm not doing it. I was going back and forth with him. I was like, okay. Um, he didn't do it at home, but per protocol, we have to have it in the hospital. So I went to the nurse, couldn't find the nurse. So I went to the charge nurse and I was like, hey, can't find the nurse, but this patient is refusing it. I have it in the room. Um, can anyone talk to him? She's like, okay, if you refused, you refused. Just tried it. I was like, okay, but I just need someone to know because I don't want to get in trouble next later on. She's like, no, but you need to forget about him. You need to go do these nebs here. Nebs are like nebulizers. You need to go do a nebulizer here. And I was like, yeah, I have a list. Mm. <laughs> One person I can do as much as I can. I said, I'm just letting you know about this patient. I'm going to this room. She's like, no, focus on this room. Stop talking about this one. I said, okay. I go do my naps <laughs> and everything. I'm getting called left and right. Comes um, morning time, shifts change. Um, I get a call from a nurse and I hear screaming in the back. Oh my God, get this, get the suction, get. And I'm like, what's going on? She goes, come over here right now, come over here. And I'm like, what is going on? She goes, you need to get over here right now. And I was like, okay, something's going on. Mm -hmm. So I get down and I just see, um, I don't know if it was one of the nurses or if it was like one of the residents or someone was just pointing at me and pointing their finger like, you know, you tell someone to come with your index finger. Yeah. That's what they're doing to me. And I was like, okay, I know what I'm getting into. I was like, yes, me, just have an issue that a gym. Yeah. Let's just think of a sound mind, you know? Yeah. I get there. They're like, you almost killed the patient. You almost killed the patient in front of the patient. In front of the patient? Yeah. And the patient is bawling. And I'm like, what's oh. going on? And she goes, what's your name? What's your name? Give me your name. I need to report you. They're so fixated on tearing me down and reporting me instead of what's actually going on right now. And then I get my badge and I say, my name is Yasmin, Y-A-S-M-I-N, and my na last name is Samata. Here's my last name. Yeah. Go ahead and report me. I really don't care for that right now. Can we take care of the patient? Yeah. Because he's literally crying. Oh, my God. And then they're just like, oh. And then they kept denying that I ever let them know. You know, what you denying. So I did my, I, they always used to call me Twitter fingers because <laughs> I would document everything. Oh, wow. Documentation. Sorry, so you yeah. documented yeah. that you told them? 
I documented everything. You're lying. <laughs> yes, you do. You okay? I have a question. I'm a little yes. shocked right now. Yeah. Do you know? Is it because like? Is it a thought for you? Like yes. I need to document this because I know something's about to go wrong. I, like somewhere yes. a, a mistake is gonna be put on me. Yes, I have. So to you had that me. feeling. Yeah, you always have to be on guard to be reported. So you have to be your own lawyer in a sense. Oh my gosh! So, so you you basically got the memo when you were getting reported. Mm-hmm. You're like, I need to start documenting a lot more. my shifts, every step. That's Everything. crazy. So it's like it's me against the, it's you against the 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 the, uh, the documentation now yeah. you know so um so we go on and um we take care of the patient they're still whispering and stuff like like really bad mouthing me in there and I didn't pay no mind I was like oh my I was god I would have cried yes yeah, so I'm not gonna <laughs> lie imagine seeing a patient crying and he's he's crying and yeah. they're all bickering and they're doing this in front of the patient saying that you almost killed him yeah. and while you're helping him mm-hmm. they're bickering about you saying this girl like mm-hmm. she doesn't know what she's doing why is she mm-hmm. I would have cried and then the thing I is had he has a, a trach so he can't talk so it's like oh so it's like almost like I felt so bad for him that you're witnessing this like you need help the worst thing to have it's very hard and it's an imtihan for anybody is being in the care of Ben Adin, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Being in the care being of defenseless. Him, it's like very hard. Like you, you get people that are not like very genuine, you know. So and the patients are the most genuine people, and it's amazing to me because it's like the type of people they deal with, and they you're always asking for help from another human being. It's very hard, you know. So just seeing him like crying was like. Like, are you guys not really seeing? Like, what you can report me, you can do whatever you like with me, but let's at least deal with him first. That was always my motto because at the end of the day, you have a responsibility from Ilahi that you're taking care of this human being, you know? And when someone is in that dire of need, like, you're very, like, in a sense of, like, you're going to get the highest judgment from Ilahi. You know what yeah. I mean? So you have to be very delicate in how you treat people when they're very vulnerable like that. You know what I mean? So seeing the patient like that, I was, it, it struck me, but then I was like, okay, let me just focus on him. Let me talk to him. I ignored all of them. Wow. Yeah. So then come uh, the next day morning, I'm getting called to the office again. And this is getting to be almost like every other day. Like I'm getting reported and oh, I'm sitting really, in the office. They're really annoyed by you. Yeah. And I'm sitting in the office and they were super heavy on, like, they kept asking my mentor, like, oh, this girl, like, we have to do extra work when we're coming to her because she's very, like, she's very strict. Like, we can't get through Yasmin. And the reason why is before I even go into a, a room where I know I got reported, I think about every door they can come out of, mm. any excuse they can use. And I and I make sure I have answers for everything wow. before I sit down. Oh, my God. Yes, we survival <laughs> mode. Lie. You're in survival mode. You're in a fight of your life. Because I'm like, they're going to come for me from this angle, that angle, this angle. You have to cover all angles and be prepared and sit there, you know? Yeah. And um, so I did that. And I asked her, I said, oh, she's like, oh, you said you're, you couldn't get to the nurse. You were busy. I was like, yes, you can go check my pages. I told the yes, like you can check the cameras. I, t- I told the charge nurse, yeah. and then I was like, next, <laughs> like, yeah. what else were we talking about? She's like, um, and I was like, how about I turn the tables on this on them? I said, how about let's talk about how they didn't know the machine wasn't even in the room. That that tells me that the patient was never cared for, and let's count how many hours he was in the room. How many hours that was it? That's patient neglect right there. What? <laughs> yeah. Yasmin turned into her father. 
<laughs> Yasmin turned into her dad. <laughs> you were telling them exactly proof by proof where they went wrong. Yes. Outside of my work, mm-hmm. let me tell you why I wasn't this year. Wow. Yeah. That yes. would have been a, that must have been a surreal moment. It, that's For when them, they dropped the whole case. They dropped it. Because you knew what you were talking about. I said, don't, don't, don't ever. <laughs> don't drive me. <laughs> no, because what you were saying was yeah. valid. Yes. And they knew they can be in so much trouble if mm-hmm. this were to escalate any further. Mm-hmm. So alhamdulillah, I got through that one. But then after that, it just kept escalating. So it's getting trained. Because now you got a bounty. Yes. So I, I'm like the difficult one now. So I was getting trained. I remember this one time I kind of like got so fed up. Like I was crying the first time I started crying. Um, I was getting trained by this one specific RT and she did not like me for no reason. Like I had no idea, but she kept trying to find something on me and I kept having to like make sure all my ducks were in order, you know? So um, I remember she even had another RT watching what I do. So I would go and like, I would go do my rounds and then I would see this guy like in the corners like and I'm staring like, at you. What is going on? Like this is not his unit. This is my unit. What are you doing here? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So I'm like, so you have people watching me now. So then she's like, she called me. She's like, oh, you're in this area. The only re- the only way she knew I was in that area is because the, the RT told her. And she's like, oh, you have an, a neb that was not done. And I was like, okay, that is because did you ask me why I wasn't done? I was like, we went to travel. We went to transport another patient. That took time. Now I'm back. Now I'm doing it. She goes, no, we need to talk to you. Um, Come to the office. And I was like, okay. And I knew why they were mad because previously during my downtime where they were having a break, one of my other fellow um, coworkers, uh, she's a Somali woman, she um, was having difficulties like drawing blood, you know. And then she's like, yes, mean, can you help me out? And I was in the middle of training. So I, I called, I talked to my um, preceptor. I said, hey, she needs help. And then she was telling me no one's helping her. Like she asked everybody. They told her they're busy. Yet they're in the room sitting around, you know. Wow. So because they want to see you fail, you know wow. what I mean? So I was like, I'm going to go help her. Is that OK? Um, and if we get any calls, I'll report to it. She's like, OK. And I went to her. I helped her out. I came back. I knew they were mad about that. Why? So they do not want us to help each other. Because they know... Is that a rule a, somewhere, though, that you're not allowed to like, help each other? If we, if we help each other, they can't get to us. They can get to us uh, uh, if you're in the, individually, yeah. you know what I mean? But if you're a unit, they really can't get to us, you know? So I came into the... And I also asked for um, uh, to go pray. I didn't ask. I told her, hey, we're during our break time. Yeah. I'm going to go pray, and I'll be right back. Yeah. It's like, you don't ask to go to the bathroom. Yeah, so why should I ask to go pray? You know what I mean? So it's like, can I go to the bathroom? Like, yeah. no one says that. Yeah. So I'm going to go and pray, and I'll be back and within this time span. And she said, okay. So I knew they were at least mad about those two things. I was preparing my mind going into the room. And then, so the charge is sitting there, my preceptor is sitting there, and then he goes... Yasmin, I just feel like you're not very serious about your um your learning here. You're out here helping other people, talking to your friends. You want to help your other friends instead of learning your stuff. I was like, it wasn't during learning time. It was during break time. You guys were here watching TV and stuff. So I went to go help her out. You said that? Yeah. I, I blatantly said that. I was like, you guys you are were watching TV. TV. <laughs> and I went to go help her because you refused to help her. Yeah. And he's like, but, you know, um, 
it's just that I understand she's your friend, but huh. this is your learning time. You've asked about getting training. You're finally getting the training you want. So why are you deteriorating away? And then you're asking for other break times. And I was like, that was prayer. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was like, they, they oh try to God. twist your emotions yeah. against you and try to yeah. like kind of manipulate your mind into thinking, oh, they finally gave you what you wanted. How dare you do Be ungrateful, yeah. yeah. So it's like... I felt so much pressure. And then they were like, oh, by the way, you're charting. I was like, yeah, I'm charting right now. Isn't this charting time? They're like, yeah, but you could have charted earlier if you weren't helping so-and-so. Oh my and God. I'm like, okay. So then I sit in the corner and I'm charting, you know? And and then one of my friends, he came and um, he's from Togo. So he was like my support buddy um, all along. Like um, he came and he's like, Yasmin, are you okay? And him just saying... Are you, you okay? okay? You, the, the, the cry fest. That's what. Guess what, guys? In PSA. <laughs> no one. If you see somebody upset, don't ask them if they're okay. Because I don't know why I start crying. Even yes. if I know I'm not okay, don't yes. ask me if I'm okay. If you ask me right now, I even start crying. I, I don't even want to know. No. I don't want to. I don't want to go there. <laughs> well, I I, so I started bawling. He's like, "Yes, Mary, okay. No, who did this to you? We're we're gonna go to them. Who was it?" Aww. And I was like, "I don't. I just don't want to talk about it right you now." Just felt defeated, eh? Yeah, I just felt like I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, like I understand I love healthcare, but I, this is not the healthcare that I wanted, you know. And so I called my mentor. I'm like, "Oh, I start bawling to her. Yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm leaving. I can't do this anymore." She was like, "Yes, mean. Like I've waited so long for." a whole bunch of like of our community to come here and for us to make a change you know you can't let them get to you like mm -hmm. you cannot allow that and I was like I know but this is like I can't like I can't do this and she's like I respect that if you want to quit but I don't want them to make you quit like you quit because you want to quit not because you know what I mean they pushed you to quit quitting and I was like that's true and I get back to my senses and I'm like okay let's do this again <laughs> you just wipe the tears you yeah. put your metaphorical cape back on <laughs> Yeah. This, this feels like an opening of a Grey's Anatomy episode. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know? Ola. I would come home every day crying. Yeah. I would tell my parents. My parents heard all the stories every day. They did this to me, and then they did this to me, and I would just mm. cry. And my mom was like, just leave the job. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad is like, no, you can't let them change you. <laughs> and I can't, I can't have him come in anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? He can come in all my life, but now it's like, you gotta fight I'm yourself. a working big girl. Yeah. I can't have my dad come in. Yeah. You know, so it's like, as much as I would love for him to come in, he would he would have set set the tone for me. You know what I mean? But um, but alhamdulillah, um, as we kept going, I kept learning how to like learn the system. Um, learning, I basically became my own lawyer. Hmm. Um, you have so to. So I had to learn in order to survive here. And in order to get my goals, which is to 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 have more cultural inclusivity in this hospital, I have to learn the system of how they can't get to me. Like I have to learn the system. So I learned it, and and it like worked out so well for me. Alhamdulillah, even though it was very hard, it worked out in my favor. Um, there's a specific incident of a doctor, um, and I've met with this doctor one other time and we had issues of not being on the same page which is fine i i'm not i don't push anyone to this is how i'm thinking this is what you should do but at least hear me out you know what i mean make make sure like my words are valid just like my white coworker. like they they they, they think you're not intelligent enough 
Like if you tell them something, they question it, they go and ask another coworker, like, is that correct? You know what I mean? So it's like you're never validated. Mm-hmm. And you not being validated affects your patients. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Your, your patients are not getting the, the the services they need because you're not. They're not believing you, you know? So um, so we go into the specific incident where a doctor was telling me to put um, a specific machine on the ventilator. And I was like, oh, that machine is not compatible, but I will ask the heads, the uh, the charge of the department, and I'll get inquiries. Like, I'm not just going to go based off of my word. I ask, they're like, no, this doesn't work. And I was like, okay. I came back to them. I said, this person and this person, which they are highly fond of, said this. And she's like, okay, it's not possible because another hospital did this. I'm like, maybe they had different machines that are compatible with it. Ours is not, you know. And uh, I gave her a few other options of what to do. She didn't listen to me. I go into the patient's room. I'm like, oh, is this patient paralyzed? And she's like, yeah, they're paralyzed. What do you mean? I was like, oh, I thought that I saw the patient flinching, but maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe reflexes and maybe just my eyes. Okay. Okay. But just, you know what I mean? And I said, um, just let's make sure they're fully, like... They actually are. They are. Paralyzed, Because yeah. this specific patient needed a smaller tube because she had so, so much swelling in her throat. Yeah. And um, and if she coughs and it comes out, she's already a difficult to intubate, which is putting the tube in. Yeah. She's already difficult with that. So it's going to be harder to put it in again. Mm-hmm. So we just have to make sure everything's correct. So um, she's like, yes, it is. And then I guess... One of my other coworkers that was doing EKG that night came to the room and he was she was asking him questions in front of me like, oh, is this machine compatible with this machine? And he's like, yeah. And then I'm, I looked o- I looked over. I'm like, what do you what do you mean? Like, how does it work? Like, I was intrigued to know. I was like, three people said it does not work. We don't have compatibility for it. Teach me how it has compatibility with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, I can just make my own. Basically, he's going to go and experiment and put like things together excuse me and make his own little like manufactured like <laughs> you know what I mean and I was like okay um I'm not comfortable with that yeah because if anything comes out of that then it's then like you're liable you're, you're liable for it so I said no I can't do it. and he goes um she and she looks at him he goes she goes I mean he said it works and I said okay I mean if he said it works and you said it works how about y'all do it yeah I'm a, I'm a com- I'm a comfortable. Y'all do. Yeah, you do, do, it. do, you do, do it. it together. You do it. I'm gonna step aside. Yeah, because I'm not getting in trouble for this, right? Yeah. So then he um goes and does this little makeshift, puts it in. One hour he was struggling just to find out it didn't work. I didn't tell them. I told you so. I just kept my mouth shut. Just, yeah. You know, did my rounds. <laughs> yeah, mind your <laughs> business. Mind my business. And then she um yeah yet again I kept pushing for is this patient paralyzed? Is this patient? Paralyzed? No one was listening to me. You know what I mean? And um, come rounds again, like, it's morning shift shift change, and I'm getting report, and I get a call, and I hear screaming. Huh. Oh, my God, the patient's tube came out. The patient's tube came out. And I run to the room. Yeah. And then the, the doctors that are like, fix it, fix it. And I'm standing there like, I told you. She wasn't paralyzed enough. Like she was not. She she the, the patient coughed, and then the tube came out. Oh my god! And I was like, and it's I, already difficult to put it in. Yeah, and then now the machine is not giving her adequate breaths. Oxygen is going down. Everything's tumbling. Oh my god! And I'm like, okay. And she's like, do something with the the machine. I was like, the machine can't do anything unless the tube is in. Yeah, we can't do anything with the machine. Let's 
emergently take this tube out and let's put another tube in or call ENT or something, you know? And I was like, I even showed her like, here's me messing with the machine. It's not working. And then thankfully when that was happening, one of my coworkers, some other girl, she came with me. She knew something was off, you know? And then when she saw them like bickering with me, she called the charge to come to the room so he can witness what's happening Mm -hmm. here. And thankfully she did that. So he comes in, another black male. We're all, we're all, you know what I'm saying? Okay, <laughs> okay. So it doesn't serve no. like, nobody, anybody. He he asked me, like, asked me what's happening. I was like, this is what happened. He goes, yeah, you're right. Like, that's not going to work out. Like, they have to take the tube out. Like, yeah. Or reinsert the tube. Like, yeah. they have to fix the tube. I was like, yeah, because the tube is sitting on the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> what are we ventilating? Yeah. yeah we we got to be in the lungs. Yeah. So, and then he goes, um, can you go get me suction? Because she's like like ha- drooling all over and I was like okay I was about to leave the room and then the, the doctor like she puts herself by the door and she goes where are you going I'm like I'm grabbing suction she goes um she goes she uses very vulgar words she said all of you illiterate RTs get the uh, F away from the machine and step back excuse you're <laughs> and I said what? oh my and then she God. comes and then she was like, she was telling me, she was trying to show me the patient is paralyzed. So what she did is she took the end of the suction and she stuck it on their hand. I was like, see? And then she goes and she sticks it on their tongue and then twists it. And I'm like, what are you doing here? What is she doing? I don't Like, why is. are you inflicting pain on the patient? Like, yeah. at the end of the day, like, what are you doing? Just yeah. to prove to me, like, they're like, they're like paralyzed. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, that... I'm like, I just stepped back. I'm like, she's <laughs> she's obviously freaking out. She's she out didn't. of her mind. Yeah. And I was like, let me just step back and just keep quiet because she's not listening to us. She just wants us to stand there. She goes, grab me the RT that, um, g- grab me the other RT, which was the, the oh, white RT. The white RT. The white RT. Grab me the white RT is what she said. Um, and She said white? No, she said grab her me name, the other. But you knew. Yeah. The white RT. The charge is there. I'm there. Another RT is there. Yeah. We're all black. But it's you, all but you want the white RT. You oh know what I mean? Oh my God. And then she goes, he knows what he's doing. So she, he comes and then she, and then the, the charge RT is telling her like, hey, like this patient is declining because of you. Like, can you get everything situated? Can you call ENT? Can you, you know what I mean? Like, can we get things going yeah. here? Like you're, because you don't want to say that you were wrong, you're inflicting harm on the patients. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mind you, the family of the patient was there too. So they were stepped outside, but the door is open. Oh they can hear everything. They can hear and see everything. Yeah. So then Subhan she yells at him and she goes, get the F out of here, you illiterate RT. The charge. Yeah, and she goes, all of you illiterate RTs, get the the F out of so here. So basically, everybody black, get the hell out. Yeah, and she was throwing the F-bomb at us. Oh my God, she actually going right. crazy. And then everybody left, and then everybody just kind of like holding my hand like, yes, let's go. <laughs> and they knew I was like, like yeah. I'm not tolerating this, yeah. you know? And they're like, let's go, let's go. And they took me out of the door, and then I let their hand go. I said, just go. They're like, yes, me, about, what are you about to do? I knew I was like, I lost it at this point. I was walking backwards. I was walking backwards okay. to the room because they, the, where the room was, the room was to my left. And I started walking with all the other ITs and then just realized how, how that was unacceptable and how you're doing this in front of a patient and their family and you're not helping the patient. 
and you're more focused on downgrading me. You know what I mean? Degrading me at that point. So I literally walked backwards and I looked at the room and everybody's there. And I looked over and I said, don't you ever do that again and ever think that's, that's okay. That's highly inappropriate and you don't own this patient. And just because you're a doctor doesn't mean you're the only one that can advocate for this patient. Wow. And then she was like, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I said, do you know who I am? Because you don't know who I am. <laughs> okay. Do you know who I am? Who are you, Yasmin? Because I have many words for you. You're giving me boss chick. You're giving me, I'm a six and a nine. You're giving me everything in the sky. Okay? You told her, do you know who I am? Ma'am, respectfully, do you know who I am? And then she was shocked. She was like, did someone like talk back to me? Like, yeah. Because in healthcare, it's like, it's like the norm. Like, you yeah. don't talk back. It's a, especially yeah. the doctor. Like, you don't do that. You yeah. Know? And I was like, don't you ever disrespect us ever again. And I said, you don't own that patient. We're a healthcare team. And we're here to help the patient together. Don't you together. ever. <laughs> you know, if I was there, I would have yeah. been the second girl. Like, Don't you ever hear what you said? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, and next time, how about you actually listen to people? Mm. And I walked away. And I was like, okay. And I made sure I did my little report, too. because you know, And you know your speech going to be typing with those two figures. Yeah. I was like, I got to cover all my tracks. I don't have time for this. So... Eventually, like, my manager comes again. There's a report. They reported against me, I guess, because the doctor started crying to the charge nurse. After I walked away, she's like, I can't believe she she said that to me. And she was, like, crying. I was like, oh. like, you feel hurt? Like, you don't know what you just did? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so they told me everything. I said, I have, I don't, I don't need to explain anything. Everything is written down. And I, and I actually put patient neglect. <laughs> <laughs> Anything I can use. Because <laughs> they use everything against this. This yeah. is, this this is protocol. your time. After that, that specific doctor was super, like, extra cautious around me. Like, to the point where um, we're going to another patient's room one day, and I had to grab my gown to wear to go in because it's like a contact. You can't touch the patient. So um, she hands me the, the gown. She's like, here you go. And I was like, you don't have to do extra. Mm. Like, I don't put myself in a high pedestal. Like, just because that happened, just... Just don't do what you were doing mm-hmm. ever again. You know what I mean? Yep. So, but uh, you'd think it would stop there, but it didn't. To the point where there's a Somali RT that heard about this, and yeah. I don't know her. And she went to my dad's halal, and she was like, oh, is your daughter? Like, when she was talking to him, she was like, oh, she works as an RT. He's like, yeah, and this is her name. She goes, oh, she wears glasses? They're like, He's like, yeah. And she goes, oh, tell her to be careful. Because all these nurses are out to get her, and they actually tell us, like, watch out for her. If you find something on her, report it. Oh, wow. And I'm like, and then imagine your dad coming home, like, what's going on? Like, yeah. they're actually, like, they're trying to cost they're going you after, your license. going after you. Yeah, you your license. I mean? So I'm just like, I just do what I can. I advocate for my patients. I'm not disrespectful, but they don't like it. So, um, So we went through that, and then... Come again, we go through another code blue. I'm running to my patient's room and um, I'm, gra- I'm trying to grab a gown to put on to go into my patient's room. And he's a young kid um, coding and the family's there. They're super heartbroken. And I'm just thinking about all of this, you know, how I'm preparing myself to go into the rooms because I do not like going into code blue rooms. Like, um, like 
as everyone says, like healthcare kind of like um, desensitizes you in a little bit. You know what I mean? When you're seeing so much stuff, every time I'm in there, I just get the jitters. You know what I mean? And I'm super uncomfortable. So I have to pre-program my mind going in. So as I'm thinking about this, a nurse stops me. She's like, where are you going in? I was like, oh, my patient's here to see my patient. She's like, oh, no, um, we don't need cleaning in there. Cleaning. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, we don't need cleaning in there. We don't need you in there. And I'm like, here we go again. Oh, my God. That you can't be anything but a cleaner in the hospital if you're a black Muslim woman in the hospital. You know what I mean? SubhanAllah. So it's like I was denied my patient's room. And then she snatches my gown and hands it to anesthesia. Oh, my God. And I'm like, okay. And then I see an RT come out, and I was like, is everything good in there? And they're like, yeah, everything's good. We, we have enough people in there. I was like, okay, I'm going to leave. Just let me know uh, if you guys need me. I was just super, like, overwhelmed by emotion. Like, I was just denied to go in my patient's room because they thought I was the cleaner. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay. When I made sure everything was good with him, I just removed myself. I was like, because I... Healthcare was just super toxic at that time for me, you know? And I'm that type of person, I feel everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I had to keep learning how to remove myself from situations if it wasn't for me. Like, cause I was getting super overwhelmed to the point where I was dreaming about it. And when I go home, I'm like thinking about it, dreaming about it. It was just my whole life was consumed by it to the point where I had to build a regimen of like, um, when I leave work, I have to go take a walk. Wow. I can't go home and go to bed. I have to go take a walk, like release everything, you know what I mean? And then go home, take a shower, and then go to bed. Like I have to have an entire regimen just so it doesn't affect me as much, you know? So um, so as we're going through that and it's getting more and more severe, there's one incident in particular, but it's a personal story of one of my coworkers. But when that incident outgrew and we were all super like frustrated with it, um, we all stood up like, we're going to fight this, you know, and we went to the heads. We took all of our documentation, all of our paperwork, everything. And then um, HR did a whole analysis on the nurses to ask them, hey, do the RT coworkers come to you guys and they um, degrade the RTs? They just went down the list of everything we're complaining about. And they were like, yes. So they basically validated that there was racism. And then all of a sudden they tell us, um, uh, one of the RTs goes, well, I feel like I'm being singled out too as a white woman. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Okay. Oh, here we out, you know. And then she goes, well, um, when they come into the department, and the department this is the lounge room where you get to eat. TV is here. You know what I mean? So when they come into the department, they, um, they start speaking in their language. And I don't think that's acceptable because we don't understand it. So now the tables are getting turned on us like, oh, you guys can't speak. I don't speak Somali when I'm talking about patient care because you're not going to understand me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I speak Somali when I'm in my private. like, And yeah. I explained to her, I was like, when you're on your phone, you're in the department and you're talking to your family, do I come and insert myself? Yeah. No. And do I have the right to listen to what you're yeah. talking about? So what made you okay that you sitting over there, you had to understand what I'm talking about and having a private conversation over here? Yeah. So and then I and then I turn the tables on her and I say, let's talk about how there was a student, there's a respiratory student that was that you were precepting that was here and he was Vietnamese and you came into the room shouting ching ching ling ling. No. Yeah, let's talk about that. 
<laughs> ah, yeah. And then, and um, so she. Oh my god, she's so crazy. That's so crazy to me. Hyatt, right? So she came, during that incident. So she came into the room shouting that, and I was confused because the whole room was packed. And I looked over because I'm like, you're not really hearing this, yes, I mean, this can't be possible, you know? It, 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 it's absolutely not possible. And then I look at the student, I look at her, I completely turn around, I was charting, I completely turn around, I'm like, okay, let me hear this again. She goes, ching, ching, ling, ling. And the student goes, what are you doing? The she student goes, himself? Yeah, he goes, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm just um, speaking in Chinese to you. And then he goes, I'm not Chinese, I'm Vietnamese. And then she goes, same thing. And then she goes, um, she goes, he's explaining to her. He's like, what are you doing, though? She goes, oh, I'm just on my Google um, Translate. I, I I use this when I'm talking to my patients. And he goes, so how do you, what do you do? She goes, I just tell Google Translate to let, to tell them what I want them to let them know. And then I just, like, turn it on for them or repeat it after it. And I'm sitting here like, is this serious? <laughs> and then she, and then he asks her, like, when they respond to you, how do you respond back? She goes, oh, I tell them to pipe it down. Excuse me? And I'm like, what is going on here? And I'm like, and I look at her and I'm like, that's absolutely unacceptable. You can stop right there. And then she looks at me because she knows we've already had it. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's already tried me because not only is she a coworker, she's a schedule maker. So if she doesn't like me, guess what happens to my schedule? She overschedules you. I'm working night, day, evening getting swapped around, getting my, you know what I mean, my sleep yeah. cycle all swapped around um, just because, you know what I mean? Wow. And so I go to the manager and I report it. I make sure I document and then I report. And then they talk to her and they're like, oh, um, like, the oh, she's just, you know what I mean, having a bad day. She just didn't know what she was saying in the moment. I was like, okay, okay, this is... <laughs> This is <laughs> wow, and then right after that, it's just so many stories. Oh but this one God. is very like pinnacle for me. Is the day that me and my um, co partner were walking together to the elevator. She left a patient's room. I left a patient's room. We we're walking, and then a nurse starts running towards us, and then she caught us off guard, and then she snatches our badges, and and then I back up before she can fully snatch mine, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Like, yeah, and then she already snatched my um, uh, co-partner's badge, and then she's like, "What's your name? What's your name?" I'm reporting you guys. I'm like, "We're just walking in the hallway. What are you reporting?" And she jots down her name, and she the elevator opens, and then she runs into it. I run after her. I'm like, "Oh my what god, what you just did was highly inappropriate. What was that for?" And then she's like, "Oh, I can't be in an elevator with people like you." Oh my god. And I'm like, "Okay." So we go to the her charge station we go to her charge nurse and we're reporting her like this is highly inappropriate and um another nurse comes and pulls us to the side and she's like oh she doesn't she blatantly says she doesn't like people of our skin color blatantly every day and i'm like and that's okay and she was like that's not okay but i i hope you ladies like take this very far because she needs to be stopped yeah so we go and report her and when they finally did the whole investigation, they came back to us and they said, oh, we apologize on her behalf. And she was just having a bad day. <laughs> she was just having I'm a like, bad wow. day. Yeah. I was like, well, a lot of bad days are happening. But if I had a bad day, that would have been. No, it wouldn't <laughs> have been, been different. the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so when we reported and we got to the, we started escalating and we were in that room 
talking about everything. Um, they later, after they concluded it, they were like, you guys need emotional assistance. Who needs emotional assistance? The HR, everybody was sitting there. They're like, everybody needs to respect each other. And then the people that are affected, we're going to give you guys some emotional assistance. You guys need emotional yeah. assistance. Is basically what they After concluded. everything, mm -hmm. you guys need emotional assistance. Yep. They then, don't need training. Nope. And then it escalated even more than that. After that, like, now we're, like, open book, like, talking about everything, you know? So, and then next thing you know, I'm having my patient one day. He was not on a nitric machine. So all of a sudden, I go into the room to do my rounds. I see a nitric machine. It's on the wrong, like, it's way high of a number. I'm like, who put this in? And why is it on this number? And then I asked the nurse, and she's like, oh, one of the RTs came by and did it. And I'm like... So if anything happens, I'm under the care of that patient. Mm -hmm. Why isn't this RT coming back to me and letting me know? And why are you asking him and he's doing this for you? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm the RT. Why didn't you call me? Mm -hmm. Even if he's around, that still doesn't, this, that's not his patient. You know what I mean? So I go and I confront him. And I'm like, why did you put this machine on my patient? Um, even if it was ordered, the order didn't even come through. There's no order. Even if they told you there's supposed to be an order. And it's on a high setting. And then he just started, like, like he was freaked out. Like, because he didn't think I would approach him, you know. And I said, that's highly, like, inappropriate and unsafe. And you can get my license, um, mm -hmm. uh, like, in trouble. Like, why are you doing And then you didn't even report it back to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So then I had to watch every step. Like, every day was like, okay, make sure you watch this. Make sure you watch this. It was, like, too much. And then one day I came in. And they gave me the heaviest assignment. They gave me the OR. They gave me everything. And then I'm going to the OR, and there's something that they're asking me to do, and I don't even know how to do it. You know, and I'm asking everybody to help me. Nobody's offering to help. And then finally, like, I told the doctor, like, I don't know. Like, and you can tell the, the managers that, too. Because I'm not going to try an experiment with something that I don't know and I wasn't trained for. Mm -hmm. And they can take the responsibility on not training me. That's up to them. And you can call the RT department and get somebody. He finally called up and they got someone to do it. You know what I mean? Because now a doctor is saying to come down. They're going to listen, you know. So um, as we go throughout that, and then I remember I was crying that day. I there's One of my patients was coding. Like I had to run up right after that. And then um, like my friend from Togo, he was like, is everything okay? Every time he said anything, is every, anything okay? I was just bawling and bawling and I was like no they did this to me they did that and then I was explaining everything and then my patient coded I had to just wipe my tears and go into the room and thug it out like I have to save this person's life and I'm as I'm in the room like doing compressions and everything I'm just crying oh my god and I'm like this is not how I imagined healthcare to be you know what I mean and this is not what I'd like to do and you know um especially as um finally being able to take care of your family and like yeah. finally having a job where you're able to sustain that it's like you don't want to like push your family into like not having that assistance anymore so you have that in the back of your head like like I don't want to let them down you yeah, know what I mean yeah so and and that was pressuring me even though I knew I was able to and comfortably able to like it was like, I probably over-exaggerated it in my mind a little too much. But I was like, you're finally grown. You're finally able to work. You're supposed to let your parents rest. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I put that pressure on myself in a sense. So, um, And then 
it just kept escalating more and more. And then I remember I, I listened to a Mahadhar about Umar Suleiman, and he was basically talking about, in summary, basically, if you see something you don't like, that's injustice. Like, try to do, try to change it with action, your words. Like, even if you can't do anything, the last thing you should do is just hate it in your heart. You know what yeah. I mean? So I was refusing to leave there because I knew they're doing this to us, healthcare workers. What is being done to the patients? Yeah, subhanAllah. You know, and these people are coming into the department talking about, oh, my, you would hear the most ridiculous stories. Like, oh, my patient um, looks like a monkey or, oh, they had oh too God. many family members and they had too much food. And like, the, the, like when it came to like prior to COVID and people are allowed to come to the hospital and like a Muslim person was passing away, then how do you still... Like the whole hallways, everything would be packed. It was so beautiful. You know what I'm saying? They were respectful. They were in like lines and stuff. Like I understand getting them to cooperate and not make, you know what I'm saying, chaos. But why are you making that into a bad thing? You know what I'm saying? Just because you don't understand the cultural um, norms of it, you know? So when we left that situation, I was like applying for jobs like crazy. Like, and then the thing is, is they all talk. All the hospitals are in there. All the managers are interconnected. Really? They all talk. So it's like everyone's telling you like, oh, this hospital didn't like you. Best believe you're not getting into another hospital. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? So it's like they kind of like fear mongered you. Like, yeah. oh, you're done for the whole, your whole career, you know? And I'm over here like. They put you on a blacklist. Basically. So I was applying everywhere. I could not get anything. And then I applied for a specific job. And I remember this one day, like I was taking a walk after work and I was like, like yeah, a lot. Like I understand, like waiting and patience and talk to Allah, but like this is like my capa. I've hit capacity yeah. at this point, and I remember that day. Like I took a screenshot of like the the um the area that I was walking in, and I remember just saying like, by the time I wake up in the morning, like I'm putting in my final notice. I'm mm -hmm. quitting. Like, this is it. There has to be another way. Like, I'm not going to quit trying to make a change. But I now I learned you can't make a change being inside. I just knew I, I had to be done with this. So what did, your, what did your dua sound like? My dua. That's the power of dua. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what, did, what did it sound like? Tell me what it sounded like. I was what, like were, yeah. what, what, what were those conversations between you and Allah? Um, I was praying. No matter what, I always pray for Allah to protect me mm -hmm. and to guide me based on where he wants me to have purpose. You know what I mean? And I said, Ilayo, um, I don't want to lose myself in this. You know what I mean? You know my limits. I don't know my limits more than you. But like, um, if there's another way that I can help the Ummah and change what's happening, I'd rather do that than suffering inside. You know what I mean? And that morning, I woke up, and I got the job. No. Well, I have that. And so I, it wasn't morning, but morning for night shifters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I woke up and I got the job. I was like, no. Allahu Akbar. Alhamdulillah. Allahu Akbar. Like, because we were going through Ramadan during that time, yeah. too. Like, I remember I was praying for everybody. Everybody I knew. If you Like, <laughs> everybody was getting a prayer. <laughs> Especially that whole department. Everybody was getting a prayer. Yeah. Like, Ilayo, like, I know we have our own journeys. Like, if I'm able to leave, I know someone else is not able to leave. Like, like guide them like yeah. and protect them you know what i mean and because at the end of the day like 
imagine you work so hard you have licensing you have and they come after your livelihood and yeah. it'll be done yeah in seconds you know so it's very hard so alhamdulillah i woke up and i saw it and i was like alhamdulillah finally you know and then i went to work and accidentally went to work because they changed up my schedule so much i didn't even know when i was working you know and i came in i guess a couple of hours early so they had me stay instead and then the I guess the whole department was talking about how my schedule was the one that was getting wrecked. They're like, oh my God, Yasmin, did you see your schedule? Look what they did to you. And they know it's bad and they know it's wrong and they talk to to you, but they're the same ones causing the issues. Yeah. That makes sense. So I went into the department and then I looked at the schedule and I just took a pencil and I put, and it's the permanent schedule and I took a mark and I went from my name Mm -hmm. all the way from the date that I'm leaving and I put a whole line through it. And then, and then everybody's like, what are you doing? Yes, I mean, that's the, that's the one they used. What are you doing? Stop. Yeah. I said, and I just kept going until it ended. And when it ended and they kept asking, I looked at them and I said, read between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> yes, yeah, you deserve a movie. <laughs> a lifetime movie. Just acting out your entire schedule in front of them without yeah. even telling them. No. Just, so just, just epically read between the lines. Finally, Yasmin does the epic walkout out of the hospital that caused her so much grief and so much pain. She can finally start fresh and leave the past in the past. But then, at the new hospital, Yasmin's trials only continued. Yasmin witnesses a nurse make a fatal mistake that kills a patient. And she finds herself caught between a hospital cover-up, a grieving family, and the survival of her career. Find out next week what happens to Yasmin. This episode is brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios. Our producer is Munashuk Omar. Special thanks to our assistant producers, Khoe Bezaid and Nima Harun. Our graphic designer, Sima, a.k.a. Wasima Farah. Our project manager, Yasmin Mahmoud. Our marketing extraordinaire, Sostin Abdullahi. If this podcast gave you value, we're leaving it up to you. Donate however much you feel like it gave to you. We have a huge team this year that's put in so many hours into bringing the show to life. If you guys knew how long we spent this week, how many hours we spent recording the narrations, you'd give us a million dollars. Alhamdulillah. If you can't give right now, that's okay. Please keep us in your du'as. I'll see you guys next week in your ears, in your speakers, telling you what? Telling you a good story.